Hey everybody, this is Bryant Russ, director of Faith Formation at Holland Christian, and you're listening to Holland Christian Medium Talk. A few years ago, my father-in-law and I walked out of church and a big diesel truck must have driven by because there was diesel fumes in the air. And I smelled this and instantly was back to my childhood when I was on a boat for most of an afternoon and got really seasick. And I, I actually started to feel queasy just smelling the diesel. And I looked over at my father-in-law and he was breathing it in. It was pretty clearly something he liked. And I I said, oh man, I hate diesel fumes. And he said, my father was a truck driver when I was a kid. And whenever I smelled diesel, it meant my dad was home. The sense of smell is deeply tied to associations. So that when you smell something, it's not just that smell, but it's experiences or memories associated with that smell. And you know, I think words can be like that too. Two words with really strong connotations right now are the terms conservative and progressive or liberal. Maybe even me just saying those words, you have a strong association with one or the other that you might even feel something. It's no secret that we're living in a really polarized time right now as a country and as a culture. We're in a moment where just about every idea or statement or even event is categorized as either conservative or progressive. Those are the categories that are dominating our headlines, our thoughts, feelings, and conversations right now. We're seeing this division in our country, but we're also seeing it in Christian communities as well. I was reading John's Gospel a few days ago and came across John 17, where Jesus prays for the unity of his followers. He says, My prayer is not just for them alone, his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. There's something so important at stake in our unity as followers of Jesus. And yet right now, many of us are wondering, how do we do this in the midst of such division and polarization? We have a chance right now as followers of Jesus to showcase the uniting power of Christ by living according to a different script. Today's conversation is an example of that very thing happening in our own community. And here's what's so great. Our guests are both current Holland Christian board members. They're both pastors and they're both named Chad. What are the chances of that? But even with all these things in common, you'll see that Chad Pierce and Chad Steenweik are in many ways very different from one another. And yet, in the midst of sometimes very different perspectives and opinions, what they have in common as disciples of Jesus is of far greater significance. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. So in the current climate, sometimes it's so easy to pigeonhole people and say, oh, that's the conservative guy, that's the progressive guy. Sometimes there's even this perception that Chad Pierce, you're on the more progressive end of the spectrum and Chad Steenweik, you're on the more uh, conservative end of the spectrum. Can you talk to me for just a minute? Like, is that an accurate depiction or is, is it more complicated than that? I feel in my context, it's definitely more complicated than that. In my previous role as a professor at Central College in Pella, Iowa, I was one of the more conservative faculty members and I also think uh, in, in this context at Faith uh, Christian Reformed Church, I serve a church that has a broad spectrum of belief about different topics and different 
ideas, different theological issues. And and I do think probably it's fair to say that within the smaller sandbox of West Michigan Christian Reformed Church, uh, I would tend to be on the progressive end of certain issues, while at the same time I am decidedly conservative uh, on, on others. And, and so these um, kind of broad labels I think we use to, on either side to identify people or pigeonhole people is a way for us to easily categorize, accept, or dismiss people or, or groups or churches out of hand. And, and I think that's one of the issues that we, we probably struggle with today. No, I would agree um, wholeheartedly. It is certainly more complicated than just simply adding a label. I have the same thing. In certain contexts, I'm seen as very conservative, and believe it or not, in some contexts, I'm seen as fairly progressive um, at different times. But and again, too, when you think about things you know, from a social perspective or theological or um, even political, those can mean different things in those different contexts. Mm, totally, and totally. I think too often we conflate all of those areas and we associate them one with the other when really they do mean something different in all those different areas. Um, so I think overall, again, to use Chad's analogy of the sandbox, in West Michigan here, within the context of the diversity that we have here at Holland Christian, I would be seen more on the conservative end of things um, in, in lots of different areas. And, I, and, and I, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not uh, you know, dismissing that. I'm, um, that's, that's who I am. That's how I, how I view scripture and how I view life and my calling as a pastor. Even those words, though, conservative and liberal or progressive, you know, they all have their own baggage as well, too. So it's hard to even come up with a proper label that describes yourself. And maybe that's just, I think that's just true of life. Mm. Yeah, that's so true, Chad, that right now, especially those words can mean so many things in different contexts. You might say we only see red or blue when there's this broad spectrum of color that to recognize a person might think this on this topic, and here's the reason. And they might think this on this topic, and it doesn't always fit perfectly in this camp or that camp. Why do you think right now there's there's just such a tendency, and I, I do this myself, to identify red or blue? Like that, those are the categories I feel like we're most concerned with. Like, what's up with that? Where did that come from? If you have any ideas? No, it's hard to exactly pinpoint where it comes from, but I think we all know that this has developed and become more entrenched over the last 10, 20 years. I think the political you know, landscape has led to that. The 24-7 news cycle, which kind of continues to kind of pound these images or these categorizations into our minds and into our thinking. So we carry that into kind of the rest of our lives. And I think it's, it's natural. I mean, in some ways, it's easier to just pigeonhole somebody than to really engage and to think. Mm. So it's 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 simpler to be able to dislabel everybody. Say they fit here, they fit red, or they fit blue, or fit progressive, fit conservative, than to actually talk to that person, understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's a bit of laziness, you know, that kind of flows with this whole thing that we have to avoid. Hmm. I would totally agree. I think we've created an idol in our political discourse. And instead of trying to remain true to the complex nature of what it means to follow Jesus in a 21st century world, uh, we have really bowed at an altar of 
politics of simplicity. Uh, and like uh, Chad Steenwhite said, I, I think it's 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 lazy, and and it's not in line with what it means for us to love God with all of our minds. And yeah, that that's one of the reasons that I think it's important for us to have this discussion is not to to kind of engage where we end up on on any given topic, but the posture and mm-hmm. the and the north star of uh, of this is really just how we engage in in a commitment to think and, and live together in this. Uh, amen. And one of the reasons I'm so thankful for you guys joining me this morning is it's rare to have people who don't agree on everything in a political context or even sometimes a theological context. And yet in conversations with both of you, Chad's, I heard you speak really positively about the other and demonstrate a respect for the other one. And for me, I thought, wow, that's really cool. And I just would love to, to share that. So what's one thing that you've grown to appreciate about the other Chad and their posture in, in terms of how we engage? Well, I've always uh, appreciated uh, the Chad Pierce humor. And I feel like that's been one of the, the icebreakers that has helped is, you know, he's able to make light of himself and make light of yeah, situations, I would say mostly appropriately, Chad. So I, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I think that probably even deeper, though, I experienced Chad Pierce as being an, someone who's honest. Mm-hmm. I think too often we get into our camps and we entrench ourselves there. But in conversations with Chad, Chad has honestly evaluated himself, honestly evaluated Again, I don't want to pigeonhole him. That was one of our fears when we came into this was that we would kind of pigeonhole each other, and we're not trying to do that either. But, you know, that Chad would be honest about some of the ways progressives look at issues. Yeah, so that's been one thing. I just appreciate his honesty Hmm. about life and about all these matters. And that's so true right now. I feel like I'm much more apt to listen and to learn from someone who can be critical of even the side that sometimes they, they find themselves being a part of. That to me says like, okay, I want to continue. I want to lean in and learn from somebody like that. Well, that also leads me to be critical about myself too mm-hmm. and about the where, where I come from on issues and thinking it through. You know, it, we just can't be simplistic about where we, where we land. I would say Chad Steenweig to me, it's obvious that he loves God and he loves scripture. And at points where our opinions might diverge, they diverge not because Chad has an agenda. It's not because of where he's at politically. Uh, it's where he sees God and humanity meet, and and he's always faithful uh, to that. I also think Chad listens well. Uh, there's never been a time where I know in a, like a, a meeting where I'm pontificating about something that he might not <laughs> agree with. He listens well and. And I always feel heard, and I always trust his motives. So, yeah, I've I've come to appreciate, uh, and we didn't really know each other real well before I, I started the work at Faith, and and we got on the board together. But uh, it's been one of the highlights of my experience. So both of you are alluding to, I, I would almost think of it as like a higher allegiance or a deeper value that you actually share amidst differences. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? What, what do you have in common that allows you to be able to demonstrate uh, a listening ear or the respect uh, to try to understand where the other one's coming from? Well, the death and resurrection of Jesus, probably <laughs> first and Amen. foremost. Uh, also, to take a step back and say, I do think if Chad would often be seen as uh, 
more conservative and, and be more progressive. And it's 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 true in a sense, but it's also laughable in the in the sense that we would agree on ninety five percent of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And where we disagree at times, it's probably more in how to get to that goal more than the goal itself. That's where I get frustrated with these labels in that people will focus on those that, that 3%, 5% kind of areas. And, and that's something that I think needs to be kept in perspective is that we are, sometimes there's infighting and to a broader world, people couldn't tell the difference hmm. between Chad and I. And so for me, it's about keeping perspective that this brother in Christ and I, we are on the same team called to the same role at this point of, of leading and shepherding congregations into better relationship with, with God and uh, serving God on mission. Mm, amen. Amen. Yeah, I would agree with what Chad said, too. I mean, you, you start out with the foundation of Christ himself, you know, and the gospel and what that has done for us and what that how that's shaped us and transformed us and what that means for the world. I mean, that's all foundational for every believer. But I think on top of that, too, I mean, obviously both of us serving on the school board, you know, we have this common commitment, for one thing, to Holland Christian schools, but also to Christian education, you know, and what it means to raise your children before the face of God. And a desire to do that, again, that that can look different in that 3%. But a common commitment that this is a institution that upholds its mission, that is founded upon the truth of God, and we want that truth to be discovered and mulled over and examined every single day as we're finding out new things in the world and discovering new things. And how does that relate to what God has said? You know, mm-hmm. and. So putting that all together, I mean, those are the things that that we both have a commitment to. Mm. I love what both of you said in that even where there's disagreements, the foundation and the desire to submit to the to the living God who's revealing himself through the scriptures and to be obedient, the disagreement comes with, okay, how do we do that? Or even interpretive issues within scripture, but you're both trying to understand the scriptures. You're both intending to submit to God. And that alone recognizing that that's shared is, is actually humongous <laughs> rather than it, we could very easily focus on, oh, they, di- they think differently about this issue or that issue uh, and contribute to further polarization. Rather saying, no, 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 we share a love for the scriptures. We share a, a submission and obedience to Jesus. And we're trying to figure out how to do that. In a previous conversation that we had, Chad, you had mentioned something about, it's not as though on every issue God is either or, or this or that. Mm-mm. One thing, I mean, you, you think about ourselves in our, in our limited understanding. Here we are, these people that are locked into these bodies that exist for several decades, trying to understand the mind of a God who is eternal and infinite, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's, it's going to take an eternity to discover him. So yeah, we may fall on different sides of, of, of certain things. Um, certain issues out there. I think one of the common commitments is the fact that we both want to know what is truth mm-hmm. and what is yes. what is right. I mean, if I am wrong, I, I want to be. I, w- I want to see that I'm wrong. I want to follow God faithfully. And Chad Pierce is the same way. Mm-hmm. I, I find mm-hmm. him to be the same way. And in a prior conversation, it was really caused me to reflect quite a bit. You guys both talked about how you could potentially come to the the quote unquote right or the you know arrive at the the right decision or the right position on a particular issue 
and be completely wrong in how you got there or the why you got there or even your posture in holding that particular position. Can you explain that a little bit? I think one of the, um, I'm called a bugaboo. I'm going to sound like an old guy by saying that. But, <laughs> you know, one of the bugaboos about coming from, you know, a conservative Orthodox traditional position is that you often land on, we've, well, we've never done it that way or we've always done it this way. And that is never, that's never a good answer. Now, I can't say that it's it's irrelevant. I mean, because there is something about what the church has carried on for, mm-hmm. for, for generations. So I don't want to dismiss that. But when it merely becomes, we've mm, always that's done the only it the reason And that's the only this. reason. And so then you end up landing in a place where you have no... Um, you know, intellectual or theological or even spiritual foundation for for your practice or why you hold to a, a particular belief, and so I think that's a danger that you have to you have to guard against. And on the other side of it, too, I mean, we can't just you know whatever is happening on the twenty four hour news cycle, you know, that can't be what is driving us, driving the conversations or the decisions or the the outlook of the church. Now, do we look at those things and say yes? We've got to we've got to be relevant. We got to we've got to think about how we address the world around us. Absolutely, I mean, we believe the Scripture is sufficient. We believe that the Christian faith speaks to life. I mean, it is life, right? I, I think on both sides we can. You, you, there's there's danger in making it merely one thing or another. But it gets back to the complexity of what we talked about earlier. The complexity of of life that doesn't submit cleanly to the labels. Yeah, in my context, I think it's important to keep our eyes focused on the gospel in the sense of uh, there are many who will make a, an argument based upon feminism, for for example. And, and, and I think that's okay, but it has to be a piece of the puzzle, or it has to be a feminism that's looked at through the lens of faith, or buzzwords now like uh, social justice. We want to do what's right and, and of course I'm a champion for, for justice as as is Chad, as is everyone who's a follower of Jesus. But the type of justice we're looking for is defined by who God is, uh, not by anyone else. And, and so you know in in both of our contexts, I think we we have to rise above kind of the noise. And I am not, critiquing either of our congregations, but culture in general, as we have said, has looked for quick, shallow, easy answers that people will hold very deeply. And and rather, I think we have to think deep and hold our positions and our thoughts and our theologies deeply, but also really hold them humbly. As we've said, the problem is we've taken like the ingredients of what makes us who we are. And maybe we choose one ingredient that we really like, and, and that becomes the, the thing itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I think sometimes you can get to the right answer, but you can kind of be following but a different path other than the gospel path uh, mm-hmm. to get there. Do you guys have any insight as to how, because oftentimes it's all muddled, right? And there's an assumption that I'm doing this for the right reason, or I'm doing this because I'm a follower of Jesus. And yet I know just for myself, my motives can often be tangled. And sometimes I'll realize, oh, wait a minute, I'm actually not doing this. And I know I'm not doing it as a follower of Jesus because there's such ego flaring up in me, or there's such a tendency to 
oversimplify the other side. And I realized, oh, wait a minute, I'm actually not doing this as a follower of Jesus. I'm doing it because of maybe a political allegiance or whatever reason. Do you have any like reflection questions I can ask myself to say, (laughs) am I actually doing this as a follower of Jesus? Or is there something else, some other allegiance that's causing me to behave this way? Yeah, I think just asking that question, asking our, constantly asking our question of, of motive. Are we really seeking truth? Or in my case, to be honest, I have to ask, is it where does narcissism come into this? Am I doing this for myself? Hmm. Am I championing something because I just want to be right? Hmm. Uh, and this is the way that I think, and, and this is how I want to be right. And so I, I think we constantly have to ask ourselves that question. Uh, not only what do I think or what am I saying, but, but why am I saying it? Mm-hmm. I guess continually reminding yourself of the whole gospel story. That's kind of how I take it for myself and for my congregation. You know, just I think this is where a good theology of total depravity comes in. Even our even our wills and desires are tainted by sin. So, I mean, every motive I have is always, you know, tweaked by sin. The pride comes in, exactly. Narcissism, as Chad mentioned. It, it's always revolving back to myself. And, I mean, constantly, you know, and what are we called to? To love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbor as ourselves and, um, you know, look to the interest of others. And what do I naturally do? I naturally look to my own interests. So even in the good that I do, I, I want to make it about me. Now, even with that regard, though, too, I mean, total depravity is not the end of it. I mean, there's a whole lot of lot more theology that, that flows out of this from Scripture. And we do have a God who's redeemed us, who's transformed us, and through the gospel has completely, you know, given us a heart of flesh out of a heart of stone. And so that heart does beat life, you know. And so the gospel story reorients us into why we do what we do every day. So one of the things I I just love and admire about Jesus in in his first century context is there's all kinds of religious and social political groups that are vying for his, uh, you know, his um, stamp of approval or his endorsement. And yet Jesus just didn't fit perfectly into any of these camps. Do you think Christianity or Jesus or the gospel fits perfectly in any of our political constructs in the 21st century? Nothing fits perfectly. Now, there's going to be ways where, and maybe we do this to our own detriment, but we convince ourselves that it does fit better than it really should. But I think reminding ourselves of the fact that we we do live in a um, different kingdom, so to Mm -hmm. speak. Um, I, I don't say that to put our heads in the clouds or to deny that, boy, we, we live in this world and we have a responsibility in this world. We do. And we have, uh, we have a love for this world and for the people that are made in his image. But our allegiance is above and beyond whatever earthly kingdom is established. Mm-mm-mm. And, you know, even if you zoom out, Chad, Democrats and Republicans are, are nothing in the grand scheme of things. Right? Even a historical perspective, it's like, oh, it gets lost in this much bigger thing God is up to. Exactly. I mean, you even think about the United States of America. And do we love this country? Yes. We're thankful that this is the place we've been placed. I mean, and, and so many of the freedoms that we've enjoyed here. And But even the United States, this is not the ultimate kingdom of, of history even. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's certainly not the ultimate kingdom of, of God's plan. Does, the God, does God use the United States of America? Yes, he does. 
He uses Brazil. He uses Argentina. He uses China. All those countries around the world for his purposes. But our ultimate kingdom is the kingdom of our Lord and Mm. of his Christ. Mm. Yeah, of course I would agree that no camp or political party, you know, fits uh, or Christianity fits into one of those two. Um, We see the hypocrisy, I think, of both parties that we do not have a consistent ethic (laughs) across either political party. And it becomes, again, more about what we want, Uh, ethic of life, ethic of the poor, uh, whatever it might be, uh, we see inconsistent ethics demonstrated time and time again in, in both political parties. I, I would say what I've come to appreciate or hope for is how can I be a Christian Republican uh, or how can I be a fully Christian Democrat? You know, in my experience at Faith the last couple of years, I've been introduced to people who think different politically than I do, and I've seen them operate in ways that would uh, make Jesus smile. And it's not how I would have done it. But they lived so faithfully within the, I mean, we, we have to choose. And, and well, I guess you can write somebody in that sure, when it comes doesn't to have election, a chance, right? Like You've got to choose, yeah. right? And we have a two-party system for the most part. And, and so the question for me isn't Republican or Democrat uh, ever. It's always what kind of Republican and what kind of Democrat hmm. are we going to be? And and there are Democrats who follow Jesus way better than I do. And there are Republicans who follow Jesus way better than I do. We have to choose. We have to live into that. For sometimes it's value-driven. What things do I care about the most? And at other times, uh, Republicans and Democrats will have similar values, but just you know maybe question the role of the government to get there or whatever mm-hmm. whatever the case. And so, like I said, I care more about the posture of somebody than the party of somebody. Guys, with all the polarization happening in the world today, these two categories of progressive or conservative are just kind of dominating conversation. They're dominating imaginations. They're dominating headlines. And, And it can be then the way that I engage as a Christian in the body of Christ, that those categories come first. How do we pursue unity and peace as Jesus followers? Do you have any suggestions as to maybe positive things to consider as well as other things to avoid? I think even having this conversation together, there's, I don't want to call it a danger, but I think there are going to be progressives out there that are going to think of Chad Pierce having this conversation here with me and in this tone being disloyal. To Mm-mm-mm. a progressive mentality, I just did air quotes. You can't see those on the podcast, <laughs> and um, vice versa, right? That, that and maybe exactly. And so, going it's and the same thing for me too. I mean, there are going to be those out there who would consider themselves conservative. They're going to say, "Why are you sitting down having this conversation?" Mm-hmm. And the thing is, we must. I mean, we, we must have these conversations. If you if you kind of go into your silo, you're only going to hear the same voice and. You're never, you're never sharpened. You're never honed. It doesn't mean that I think Chad Pierce is right on all these things. I mean, I, I think he's wrong on some things. And I think he thinks I'm wrong on some things. It's the reality. We, we, we aren't going to agree. Yet, because of the foundations we've talked about earlier, there needs to be a, a love for one another as between us as brothers in Christ, but between brothers and sisters in Christ, that has to drive us toward one another rather than away from each other. Mm, mm, mm. And, and even that sometimes just staying at the table when, when it would be easier to silo. Right. 
James says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I think that's that's important right now. Uh, two qualities that I would hope would guide us moving forward would be humility. You know, we, As Chad said, we do think each other are wrong on some issues. But I also look back, and 10 years ago, I believe I was wrong. I've changed my opinions about, about things. And, and that's where I think there has to be humility, is that we, we hold our, our beliefs deeply, but we also hold them humbly because I've changed. And, and it's not always a change, if we're going to use these terms, it's not always going to be a change to the left. Uh, there have been other things that, if, again, with these buzzwords that I've become more conservative on over the last five or six years. And there's other things that I've become more progressive on. And so there is right and there is wrong and there is truth. And we are trying to find that. But we, we have to be humble because I would say if, if we haven't changed our thoughts on anything over the last 20 years, then we, we've been lazy Christians. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have to constantly you know, humbly wrestle with Scripture and with God and with our brothers and sisters in Christ who will help correct us and, and move us forward. I, I would also say the, not only do we need to be humble, but like this conversation, we have to be hospitable. We have to make room at our tables, uh, not just so that the other side can be heard, but so that we can grow. You know, when you have somebody over for dinner, the conversation hopefully blesses both people. And so I engage Chad, not because I feel a little more time with me will finally bring him over <laughs> to the good side. Uh, I, I spend time with him. Or be- vice versa. Yeah, right. Yeah, the, I spend time with him because there's the potential always for me to, to grow. And there's a there's a chance that when if it's a particular issue, Chad would say one thing and I would say the other thing. And God would be in heaven smiling, saying, neither one of you are right. <laughs> and, and you still haven't found it yet. Um, but in the only way you're going to find it is if you keep talking. Because uh, it's not just about theology. It's not just about reading a book. Uh, I mean, Scripture's sufficient. That's not what I'm saying. But it's not just head knowledge, right? We bring our different life experiences to reading Scripture. Now, in this, it's two old white guys, right? Uh, but but even within that, we bring our experiences. And, and so do I think what I think about things solely because in uh, a quiet room I've read the Bible and it's shaped it? I'll be honest, no. It's it's because of life experiences that I've had. I think differently now that there is a black child in our family than I did before there's a black child in our family. I think differently about life after uh, one of my cousins commits suicide than necessarily before. That doesn't mean it's right, right? But I bring all that I am to the text and, and into life, and Chad does the same. And each of us are a puzzle piece of experiences of the Holy Spirit and uh, working through in gifts. And it's only when we're hospitable uh, to people and, and sit and, and talk that we can gain a fuller picture uh, of God and God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. That makes me think of a story way back in first grade. My best friend was a, a kid named Eduardo and he was Spanish speaking at home and I spoke English my whole life. And he called Jesus Jesus. 
And I remember, a, and we actually got in like a big argument. And I said, his name's Jesus, you know, very uh, aware kid that I was. And he said, no, his, his name's Jesus. And we started arguing about what, what his name is. And the teacher came over and said, well, yeah, you're both actually right. And you're both kind of wrong. And, and she walked us through like, oh. And for me, I've thought back to that recently about like, oh, yeah, like even in these, in the midst of these, arguments that there's okay you i get what you're saying here or i understand in our case it was yeah in english this is how you say jesus's name and in spanish this is how you say jesus's name uh, but that actually wasn't the the words that people used when speaking to this guy in the first century right and and all of a sudden it's like whoa it wasn't a this side one and this side lost it was a little bit more complex than that but it, it, it took uh, it took a little bit of hospitality or even just being in the same place and having a friendship to be able to both learn something in that moment. I think that also affects the manner in which we address these things. You know, in, in Romans 12, it talks about, you know, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. Um, that reshapes how we engage these, these things. Mm-hmm. I think another way that we have to engage this is to, we use the, the word, you know, image bearers of God, or use that terminology, and that applies to everyone. I mean, obviously, every every human being is created in the image of God, and um, and, and there's something that that even kind of takes it to a, a different level within the body of Christ as brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're told not to bear false witness against one another. Yeah, I mean, we think about that as not lying against one another, but in, in our catechism, it, it talks about we have to do all we can to uphold our our neighbor's good name. Mm. You know, our, oh. the the good names of our brothers and sisters. And you know, m- my desire for someone who seeks who thinks differently than me is should should be to to make that person shine as as best they can. Now, I, I am saying that already sitting here convicted that boy, I I don't do that well. You know, I I, I easily will will you know attack a person rather than engage the argument. Mm-hmm. Those words are so con- convicting, Chad, that, yeah, to speak in a way that makes another shine. I can even think of, of just having conversations or disagreements and as soon as possible going to find someone who thinks the same as me to say like, oh, how, how stupid this other person is. And yeah, what what am I doing then to realize this, the severity of, of that? <laughs> yeah, It's really convicting. That's exactly right. Uh, you know, those words convict me as well that we are to, to lift each other up. And, and I think that's what's so frustrating right now is that while the world, I believe, is dark right now, the church has a chance to shine and has, and has the chance to buy not only what we believe, but how we believe it, uh, how we engage each other, how we love and respect one another. I think the world beyond the trauma it's experiencing right now does understand that it can be better than the way it is and it even longs for that betterness and we believe that that Jesus has that answer right and that and the kingdom of God can look differently on earth as it is in heaven and instead of joining being a voice of unity even in the midst of not uniformity even in the chance of being grace-filled instead of just being another person with a bullhorn, uh, we're losing the opportunity 
And, and embarrassingly, I think right now, Christians in some circles are leading the charge of division and hostility. And I think sometimes we have fooled ourselves into thinking that if we can keep talking about those things that we disagree with, and, and again, I'm not trying to brush off truth, and it is important, but we have focused on those things so much that it's kept us from having to do the difficult work of the gospel. Mm, mm. I would hope that the church now would wake up. We have a better way. The church has been full of disagreements from the beginning. Mm. Peter, Peter and Paul didn't see eye to eye um, on, on many issues, and yet the church flourished. We don't have to agree on everything, but if there is anything that I can do to, to uplift and to get somebody to go to Central Avenue Christian Reformed Church, I should be all about it. Or how do I live and act in such a way that, that, that Christ's uh, name is praised and that God gets glory? We are throwing away, I believe, uh, an amazing, although difficult, opportunity right now to, to show uh, a mm. better way. Mm. And, and I think it's, I think all sides, uh, whatever that means, uh, needs, to, needs to wake up. Mm. I think about Jesus' original disciples and the, the crew he selected to follow him. And they, they weren't all, you know, to use the language of political party, they weren't all from the same party. Uh, and to realize that there's a testimony, you, if you were to see a, a zealot and a tax collector serving together, that would that would just break categories, you know, for someone in the first century to say like, wait, what are those two doing together? Because th those two groups are never together or they, they have so little, if anything, in common. And yet for those two disciples to say, oh, we, we have the same rabbi, that we, have, we have the same savior, his name's Jesus. All of a sudden, the reputation of Jesus is like, who is this guy? that he could unite a zealot and a tax collector, right? That we just don't have categories for that in our, in our current world. To imagine a Democrat and a Republican sharing the same allegiance to Jesus, I feel like that's a testimony that would, would bring real glory to Jesus right now. I do too. And I think, I am sure that the disciples had some pretty interesting arguments hmm. sitting on the Sea of Galilee. We do get one glimpse of a conversation and it's they're arguing over who's the greatest. Hmm, right. Isn't that what's happening today too? We're arguing over who's the greatest when it's, it's not about us. Who is the greatest? Christ is the greatest. I loved how you said that, Bryant, too. I mean, magnifying the name of Jesus, that's what we're about. And that's what we have to point ourselves to is, is lifting him high, giving the glory to God. Hmm. Amen. Okay, so we're talking about things to keep in mind as Christians engage, even when there's disagreement. Any other ideas? I think it's helpful to remember, you know, none of us are at our best right now. And maybe we can say that all the time, but I think especially you look at the last 18 months of life, look at the last, I mean, even five years and 10 years, just the leading up politically, but the last 18 months of pandemic living and all of those things, they've all kind of come to a head. And then all the social unrest that we've been living under in the last year, which has polarized and confused and we're all trying to figure out where we fit into all of mm, these things. Mm. And we want to simplify that too much. But by trying to figure this all out, we're wrestling with ourselves, even as we're wrestling with others. And that doesn't always allow us and doesn't drive us to a place where we can listen well to others, where we can engage well with others. So in some ways, you have to just 
name that mm-hmm. in our lives. Mm-hmm. And once you can name it, say we're not in a good place, that also allows you to step back from it and engage somebody else with grace. You got to have grace for yourself in this and then have grace for others as well too. Grace is the ultimate word. And, and we talk about grace and truth. And it's right to talk that way because scripture talks that way. But the ultimate truth, I believe, is grace. That is the cornerstone, really, of, of what Christianity is. Is that God looked upon a world that he disagreed with vehemently about how they were living. Uh, God looked upon a world uh, that had turned its back on God. And God chose the difficult path of engaging Hmm. and reconciling. And if we are followers of this God, we have to resist the easy road, uh, which is to isolate and and be agents of reconciliation in this this world that is so broken. Our our God is about reconciliation. It's foundational to the gospel in what he did and then how we live it out, as Chad was talking about Hmm. there Hmm. too. And so you, you put these things together. I mean, that's, that's, the paradigm that the church is put into. Mm-mm. And so, yeah, we press into that because that's who we are. We are created as people reconciled to be reconcilers. Mm. Amen. And recognizing the price tag associated with that reconciling because just before we pushed record, I was complaining about having to do extra communication work in this polarized environment and and the, the extra work or the extra emails it takes to try to understand one another. And yet realizing that paradigm you're talking about, Chad, that, that we serve a God for whom it costs the life of Jesus all of a sudden it's like, okay, yeah, it, it definitely puts it in perspective. Amen. Guys, just a few minutes left. Anything to be careful about or things to be especially wary of in this particular moment we're living in as Christians? As we engage these conversations, it's easy to make caricatures of others. The whole straw man argument, right? You, you set somebody up or you, because of the label, you, you, you fight against what you think that label means rather than understand who that person is, why they think the way they are, why they've looked at scripture the way they've looked at scripture, why they're living out their faith the way they are. And so I, I think just be be aware of that. Be We're, we're prone to make caricatures of, of one another. And there's always portraits or examples of people on the on the like far margins of the left and right that it's easy to say oh look like they're all this and to say okay no 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 even within these camps there's such a broad spectrum just realizing remembering that has been important for me the the landscape has changed with social media and i would encourage everyone to like have a 24-hour rule on if you're going to post something Mm -hmm. that's not my kid's soccer game Ask, does the world really need my opinion on this? People have thoughts, and they quick throw them out there, and they don't realize sometimes what they're saying sometimes doesn't always make a whole lot of sense. But even at worst, uh, I've read a number of Facebook posts from people that I love, all these idiots who think this. And I'm like, I'm one of those idiots. Uh, Because I think what they think is idiocy. And, and vice versa. Again, this knows no side, right? Um, uh, we, we deal with the opposite sides of the same coin uh, often right now. Disembodied communication in general, it's, it's, and we see that that's what social media is. It's so, it's so incredibly dangerous, and I think we're all susceptible. 
and I realized that, whoa, what I maybe just posted, I would never have said to someone in that camp if they were sitting across the table from me. And I think we all know that, but for some reason, it's really hard to practice. Oh, definitely. And, and it makes such a big difference, right? I mean, if, if Chad Steenwijk and I just wrote down, what do you think about things? Mm-hmm. There'd be times where there would, not a ton, but there would be times where there would just be pretty stark divisions. But what us just writing or, or posting on social media would not get to the tears in my eyes as mm. I was saying what I was saying because of how I got there and the experiences that I've had to, to get there. And Chad, the same. I mean, there, there's these decisions that we make uh, oftentimes or theologies that we hold are deep. And they're emotionally charged and, and they're not just statements of belief, right? But mm. belief is and, and is a system of trust that involves our whole beings and and all of our experiences wrapped into that. And, and so uh, you're exactly right. Uh, when I say be hospitable, that's sitting around the table, that's sitting around the coffee shop, engaging the whole person. And when I post at my worst, There is no humility there. I do think the medium of communication for for Christians also, we have to just be careful. That's what you talk about. This takes investment. It takes time. It takes patience. You know, you have to to be willing to gather around the table. We've used that image a few times here. In my experience with that, I'm, I'm not trying to ridicule others. I'm suggesting that there have been times, not recently, but there have been times where I posted something and was like, ah, oh, man. Me too. What, I'd like to have that back. Hmm. Um, you know, um, luckily I have like three followers. So it, <laughs> that, that helps. It's right? not a large impact. <laughs> but, um, but no, but it was just like, why did I say that? And, and what was I trying to accomplish? I mean, in, in, in those worst times, I was just, I was hurt. Mm. And I like emotionally vented. And you know, it's so funny. I just think of the image of like a nesting doll. And a practice I've taken to recently is, is just prayer journaling. And so often as I journal, it's like getting into the, the next layer of what's really going on. And there's been times after a, a fiery argument or a, or a heated email, or sometimes a very cordial conversation that then I reflect upon and get fired up about as I'm doing this journaling activity, I get to kind of like the, the, the inmost layer. And it's as though the Holy Spirit is saying, Hey, Brian, your feelings are hurt. That, that, that's really what this comes down to is, is, is you're a sixth grader <laughs> and your feelings are hurt. <laughs> and, and so you've lashed out in this angry way, but I care about you. I, I'm concerned for you. And I love you. And realizing like, oh, that was what was really underneath all that other stuff that I've been been walking in the last few days. Um, it's, it's hard to do that and it takes time, like both of you have said. But, but yeah, I think there's something there too. Chad and Chad, this has been a real gift. And like I said, I, I don't know of a ton of examples of this happening where we're so fortunate as a community to have you two as board members and people who are passionate about Christian education and this school in particular willing to take the time and to model what this looks like to follow Jesus in the midst of all kinds of polarization. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for having us. And it's been a delight. I I would say, you know, we're the ones who are on this podcast and having this conversation with you. But, you know, I I know it's been a blessing for me serving on the board and having this multiplied over 
across the board. I think we see the same spirit with the other board members. Mm. And we see it with many in this community as well, too. And so we're thankful for that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think what we just did, in my perspective, was have a conversation that's being lived out every day in the halls of the school. Mm. Uh, We have teachers and administrators who think a variety of different things about different issues, and yet they come together in mission to teach our kids to transform uh, their lives. Uh, and, And so I'm thankful for the opportunity to have this conversation that I do believe behind the noise, uh, Holland Christian is a place where we see this being exemplified day after day. Mm. One of the real gifts of my new role is being able to be in all the buildings. So we have six campuses, just getting to walk around and to peek into classrooms. And that has been such an incredible encouragement to be able to witness and see and to listen to conversations and to walk away saying like, wow, I want my kids here. Um, That's been really cool just to be able to to have that different perspective. Can we get a good go Maroons to end on, gentlemen? One, two, three. Go Go Maroons. Go Maroons. Thanks for listening to the HC Medium Talk podcast. This conversation is the first in a three-part series exploring what it means to follow Jesus in this polarized climate. So we hope you'll tune in next time.